0: Work on mastering your ability to look forward and look down. And what that means is when you're looking forward, you're thinking about the future. And when you're looking down, you're thinking about the now. Nurture the side, the parts of them that are able to switch between both because you do need to plan. But once you're you've planned, that's, that's, That's a time-constrained thing. You should have a start and a stop, and then you, when you get to work, forget everything but what you're doing in the moment. And trust your past self that puts you there, and let that go.
1: Welcome to the Art & Life Podcast with your host, Taylor Gallegos. Art exists all around us, in all directions, from all walks of life. We just need to know how to see it. The Art in Life podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths. This experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits, whatever they may be. Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. First off, I want to say thank you for listening. The people being interviewed and I are two parts of the podcast, but it wouldn't be complete without you, the listener. I very much appreciate your attention and your energy, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. If you enjoy what you hear, you have join me on this artistic journey in many ways. You can subscribe to the show, leave a review, share it around. You can join the conversation on the Art and Life Facebook group where you get notified of fresh episode drops, You can join my email list on my website at on the contact page. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at taylorgayegosart. And finally, you can support me on Patreon. So again, a deep and sincere thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Now, on to the good stuff. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. And uh, with me today is an amazing guest i'm so pumped to have this gentleman on um i feel like this is just exactly the interview that i want to do it's so on brand for this podcast and it's it's just amazing that it's all come together and i feel really honored to have this this person here so uh this man is the founder and ceo of baron fig which he'll tell you all about um he's an award-winning designer and entrepreneur. His work's been featured in Fast Company, Bloomberg, New York Magazine, Bon Appetit, and more. Uh, he and his wife and his dog live in NYC. And uh, he's written a book, which is what brought this all together. And it's called The Laws of Creativity. So, Joey, Cafone, am I saying that right? Cafone. Yeah, you got it. Nailed okay, it. all right, perfect. Boom. Caffone, thanks for being on the podcast.
0: Taylor what's up man I'm psyched this is the way I'm in New York so this is the end of my day and this feels like the perfect end to my day
1: yeah yeah that's awesome awesome. get to talk about uh this amazing work of art and creativity that you put together um thank you yeah so so your publicist reached out to me and was like hey I represent this uh this gentleman who just wrote this book I think it's right along uh the lines of your podcast and i mean i went through it and it's so awesomely perfect the laws of creativity it's like well why don't you tell us all about it yeah 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 sure it is so weird for you to say
0: that you're publicist this is like all new this is my first book uh before we started recording i was telling taylor that i'm just freaking winging everything so we're just like throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks like a publicist uh but anyway yes I founded Baron Fig, like you said, a company that makes um, tools to help you do your best thinking. And now I wrote The Laws of Creativity, a book that teaches you how to master your ideas. So uh, I guess under the hood, you mentioned I'm a designer, and that's really like that's my that's my jam. So since I started Baron Fig ten years ago, I've designed and art directed a hundred over a hundred products from zero to launch. And whether it's the book or the company, my work focuses on helping people turn their ideas into reality. That is that is the most exciting thing for me. And that's what this book is all about. Um,
1: so where should I start? This is so much to say. There's so much to say. Um, yeah, I don't know, where wherever. I mean, I really like, uh, you got your book broken into three main parts. Um, I thought that that was like, just a really well organized way to do it the the, the book was yeah. like from a design perspective i love this book already i opened it up it was <laughs> it's like the the cover is beautiful and it's fun cuz the laws of creativity the word creativity is broken in half and you've got your like sketches around of like on the cover of what you're thinking about the design you know you want to hyphen here you want to imply lighting like it's cool because like from our, your first interaction with the book you feel you know, like we already know what we're getting into like we're in like the mind of a creative uh process super cool creator
0: yeah it it uh i debated putting the sketches on the cover i wasn't sure uh not the sketches i guess the notes but i'm really glad you like it it says yeah. that you dude hyphenating the word creativity okay was like the most you would think that I killed someone like some people have such a strong stance that you cannot hyphenate anything on a book cover right. And I was like well now I got to do it because you guys are freaking out over this this is ridiculous yeah. but I actually did that because um you know in the, the era of ebooks and whatnot because I used to want to be a book cover designer I actually worked at Random House Um, you know ebooks are like thumbnails right they're super tiny and so if you go on your phone on amazon or on apple books you'll notice that titles are getting really large on book covers so that they're legible as a thumbnail Uh so i was like crap the word creativity is so big like long that i actually have to shrink the title to make it all seem uh proportionate so i was like solve this and i was like you know screw it i made the font real big it broke halfway and i was like this is perfect so that's how that came about. Um, and I think it, it's a good story because it also is an example of letting the process take you rather than making a call ahead of time. You know what I mean? Yep. So uh, in terms of the book being three parts, the first part is mindset, how to th- think creatively. The second is the process, the creative process. And the third is how to be like super good. I think they call it the laws of greatness. Yeah, I actually thought the book was just going to be that middle part, the process. Okay. I I figured, okay, I'm going to teach a how to guide on creating. And as I was doing these interviews, like two years ago when I'm starting this thing, I realized that before I could tell you how to act, you had to make sure that you knew how to think. And so that's what the first nine chapters are all about, you know, like totally, I think at the beginning I say, you know, you're about to install your new operating system because yep. in order to create, you got to think and see differently.
1: Totally, totally. And that, uh, cause otherwise there's walls in the way and yes. like those are going to get in the way of the action. And then, and then when that, those are the way then you can do the action. And then when you do the action, then you can optimize the action. Exactly, dude. Well said. Yeah,
0: that's that's the money right there. So I quickly figured out that I had to write a bigger book than I thought. Yeah, you know. So it's like four, it's like four hundred and something pages. Um, I just kept going and going, and I actually thought. So I've never written a book like I said. I heard, you know, the my stereotype of book writing is that in the editing process you lose ten percent. Okay. I don't know where it came from. That was my impression. So I thought, oh, I'll do how I design. Like I'll do a lot and then I'll make it contract into something really tight. Right? Yeah. Uh, like a sketch. You know, it's messy and it's big and then you make tighten it up. Well, uh, my editors loved everything. And ah. actually, I, like I did 82,000 words and they made me add 10,000 more because they were like, this is so good. But now we want you to fill in this hole and this hole, because you're like, it's almost so perfect. You just need to touch these things. And I ended up making it bigger, which was a total shock to me.
1: Yeah. Did you, like before you started out, did you have like a, were you thinking, oh, I'd make like a 400 page book or were you thinking I'd make a (laughs) hundred page book or
0: like, yeah, good question. I was, I, I Googled that. I'm like, you know, what is a, I think I go like, what is the right self-help book length or something, you know, that people like? And it was like 250 pages or 60,000 words. Okay. So I set, I use this app called Ulysses, awesome writing app, very minimal. And I set my target at 60,000 words. So then I'm like writing chapter by chapter, doing well. And, you know, like four months into it, five months into it, I hit 60,000 I'm like, crap, dude, I have a third of the book left. Like, like, what do I do? So I just boosted it up to 80,000. I kept going, but I was like, totally off on my prediction of where I thought this would end up. It took a life of its own and I'm glad it did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the creative process. It's like when you're, you know, you, you have an idea in mind and then as you walk the path, sometimes the path requires that it takes these little jogs this way and that way to like fully flush out the concept or the idea or whatever. Hell yeah. And that's, that's something that people
0: have a lot of trouble with. Like I want to know why you don't have trouble because most people, um, what we're talking about really is just the unknown. So like when we were kids, Actually, let me back up because I do want to touch. I want to hear where you get this, but I think your audience will like this. So NASA did a study and found that 98% of kids at five years old are creative geniuses, 98%. This is NASA. So like this is as guaranteed as it gets. Yeah. Uh, but by adulthood, that number goes down to 2%. Wow. So from 98% to two, it's like. We are actually very good at systematically destroying creativity, yeah. and I spent a ton of time exploring this. And there's a few things that I say in the book, but one of them in particular, in relation to what we're saying here, is um, is the unknown being so unfamiliar. Because in school, when we're given an assignment, it's we know the end before we start. Okay, you and I'm not being like hyperbolic here. For example, you know, the teacher hands you Fahrenheit 451 and says, write a three-page paper on the plot. You know what you're ending up with. Or they hand you, you know, a worksheet with five geometry proofs and they say, solve these proofs. You always know where you're going in school. And so for 20 years, we're taught to know where you go before you start. And then you're in the real world and you realize, wow, life is the opposite. Like, I never know where I'm going any at any time and creativity specifically is the only way to really be creative is to not uh is to let go of the ending and let it carry you there because otherwise you're just if you know the ending before you start you're not going anywhere new yeah so tell me i want to know how how in your life because you're nodding right now and like i can tell like five minutes of talking to you i'm like this dude gets it so where where did that come from for you?
1: Oh <clears throat> well I mean I, I was drawing extensively like lots and lots of hours as a a little kid. Um, It was like the way that I occupied my time growing up and um, a lot of it was just kind of like free flow. My mom always like took like paid attention to my art and like would talk to me about it and ask questions and like um that's kind of where it started. And so I always had this like relationship with my drawings throughout time. And it was really more about like I would just get lost. Like time didn't exist. And I, you know, how yeah. many hours I spent, um, how many drawing pads I've filled up, you know, um, is like like I have bins of them in my garage. Uh and it's cool talking about the like the, the destination. I've talked about this on the podcast many times probably, but there's um there's different okay so with paintings uh i call them that my journey paintings or my destination paintings and really yeah and so the journey is like you get in the car with uh you know a full tank of gas and you know some money to spend and a week to burn and you like see where you end up and that's like an adventure and you never know and like uh those are such like way more colorful journeys rather than like when you know you have to get to San Francisco by Tuesday like you know what the journey is going to look like and it's the same thing with the art and um, I've taken a lot of time to like intentionally do these paintings where um, I don't know what it's going to look like and um, through the process through doing paintings and drawings for so long I, I intuitively know what it takes to make a good painting you need Some stuff Mm. in the mid-tones you need some highlights some some darks you need a composition set up in a certain way but really the different variables can be whatever you want them to be so like i i know the i know the format of a good good you know trip and a good journey and so
0: a formula
1: yes exactly yeah and part of the formula is like if you don't feel like it's done you just keep going and that's how you know like with your book like it wasn't done so you keep going
0: yeah and i think a lot of creative people or creative hobbyists or creative misunderstandings come from people's um denial that there it can be formulaic like it reduces it somehow right and it's just not true if 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 it were a total mystery, if it were magic, right? Because you and I are both like, this isn't magic. If it were magic, there's no way you and I would be hired regularly, reliably to produce something because it would be, well, is it showing up today or is it not? But like, we show up and deliver every time. Yep. And it's like, it's not just incredible luck. Yeah. It's like practice and, and understanding. And there's that there is a process and like, one way, I've never said this uh, before on a podcast or anything, so it's going to be rough. But I was kind of like, I love cooking up metaphors to help people understand. And there's one I'm working on, like a mountain climber metaphor, okay? And so imagine, you know, we're at the base of a mountain and I'm talking to this mountain climber and or someone is talking to this mountain climber and they're like, hey, man, uh, you know, what's at the top? And they're like, I don't know. Well, you wouldn't say now, oh well, I guess you can't climb this mountain. No, like the guy, the the guy or gal will climb the mountain and then discover what's up there when they get there. And the climbing is formulaic. And that's sort of what we do, where I can't tell you where I'm gonna end up, but I always can tell you that I know how to get there. I just don't know what's at the end.
1: Yep. Yeah. And you have your your camping bag and your, like your hiking pack that's full of all these tools that you can use if you need. If you need more water, yeah. then you get out your water purifier. If you need to set up your tent and whatever, you bring that. So there's all these tools at our disposal that we can use. And the more time you're on the mountain, the better you get with your tools. And so yeah. like, no matter what you run into, let's say you run into an ice field. Well, I've seen an ice field before. So I know that I go around it or I climb through it or whatever. And like, uh yeah it's like a, a develop you're always developing your your technical skills uh, as you go along. It's cool. Um the one thing about the the process and like being once you see the process a bunch, I feel like you really get um you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And Don't that's really. one thing that that beginner creatives and artists, it's very vulnerable to be uncomfortable and to have like, you know, like your idea there, you just shared an idea that you don't feel like is fully fleshed out. So there's a vulnerability there. And as a creative person, you like, that's what we do is we train ourselves to be uncomfortable. It's kind of like yoga trains you to breathe through discomfort so that when you're experiencing discomfort in the world, you're better at it because you've been practicing.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, we're just, I think we're not afraid to look Silly, you know. Like I yeah. look like an idiot all the time. I'm sure people meet me and they're like, "You wrote a book? Like, like come on, dude, really? Who wrote this?"
1: <laughs> Sat down and I did it. Oh, you definitely did it. And like, part one is all about that, and that's the mindset stuff that you talk about. And like, you know, there's the part about just like embracing your weird. And yeah, like I'm. Uh, I was telling my mom this earlier that like you know i've had fantasies of writing a book and um and like this is the book i would want to write and it like it's it was saying all the things to me that i wanted it to say you know and like part one and all the you know all the mindset stuff like it's so integral to moving forward and hearing you say it and then it was really cool because you tie in these stories of these people who've done amazing things and you know came from challenging situations or whatever and their you know their mindset or their practice or whatever helped them get there and so um, it's nice reading through this book because you're kind of like in the company of greatness the whole time you're reading yeah which which is awesome and I feel like that's part of how I got like this that's part of why I am the artist that I am because I went to art school and I listened I got to sit in on these like art history classes and watch and learn about these artists and the more time you spend with these artists the more time you're like well why can't i be one of those you know like why not and then this this book is that
0: awesome yeah um there are the stories there's like tons of stories einstein and uh what did i put here oh that's on the website einstein martin luther king um just tesla everyone really it was super fun to try to find all these stories but man uh it was it got challenging towards the end for because sure in the beginning in the beginning i was like you know i had like 39 laws so there were stories i had collected my whole life and i was like throwing darts you know bam story 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 but then when i started to get down to the wire we only had like 5 laws left And I had to specifically find examples because I would just reverse engineering it. I'd find an interesting story and I'd be like, "Eh, that's good for this law. You know what I mean? I was not like there was I was rolling with it, like another example of just let it take me. But at the end, when there was just a few, that was nuts, man. I was hunting for stories.
1: Yeah, Yeah, because I'm sure the first ones are relatively easy to line up. but Then there's those little gaps where you're like, oh, shoot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that took, that took a while that I, there was, I would say the first like five chapters took like five weeks and the last five chapters took like triple that to get, to get it in. And it was really just limited by the story. Like I, writing these was easy. Yeah. It was just the story.
1: Can you walk us through the process of writing a book from like the beginning stages where it's still an idea and then like i'm imagining maybe there was some like visual like i'm imagining you in front of a whiteboard maybe like laying stuff Mm -hmm. out or was it just a complete organic growth
0: so uh i i was an english major and a philosophy major first i did my four years and then i wrapped up during the financial crisis and then i was like I don't know what to do, and I very lucky was able to get into art school. So I did eight years straight. And I'm saying that because even before my visual training, it was the writing. yeah so for for ten years, leading up to when I started writing this, I on my phone, actually, not even in a notebook, like it was I needed it to be always accessible, was just a I think it was an apple note that I had bullet points. Dozens of bullet points that any time I realized, oh, I'm witnessing a pattern. This is the 10th time I've seen this, 30th time. I would take a note, bop, 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 and then I'd forget it. So 10 years of this. <laughs> so finally, uh, you know, and this went this went like on like three, four five phones or something. Like it just kept going because I really, really had it forever. So finally in the pandemic, my wife, Ariana, uh, was sitting across from me at the, the counter And she was listening to me talk about this book again, like one day I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And she stopped me. She's like, hold on. We are quarantined. We are stuck at home for the indefinite future. If you don't write this book now, you're never writing it. And I was like, oh, you're right. Okay, okay. (laughs) So like the very next day, I took all those notes, laid them out. And then I built a table of contents where I would like cross it out as I added it to the table of contents and then I'd shift it a little bit but by like the end of that first session it went from dozens of notes to a table of contents and that is almost the identical table of contents in the book still wow and then yeah it was like a roadmap that I was able to put together and then I just started writing
1: did you set it up as laws immediately or did that come together later uh that that came
0: yeah that's a good question what did i call it i think that came that day where i was like really how do i define these and i wanted also something that made people stop a sec and say wait a sec the laws of creativity there's no laws isn't creativity magic to like get a title that really makes people think a sec okay this is not your typical creativity book yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, the, the laws came and the laws did change the names, like the law of symbiosis, for example, which says that your body is more than just a contain- container for your brain. It actually contributes to your brain's effectiveness. Oh, that yeah. one, like symbiosis, took me forever to get to. It was like the law of connectedness, the law of good health. And I was like, come on, what's something really good? Uh, but most of it came pretty, pretty quickly, which was so cool i'm grateful yeah for sure
1: and then uh like in terms of actually writing it were you doing like did you sit down for 20 minutes a day at your computer or was it kind of like whenever the inspiration hit you it sounded like i got two it was more i got
0: it it was so the table of contents was my map and then i have two tips to like I think anyone can really kill a book if they follow these. So the first one is don't go backwards. So whenever I wrote a chapter, I would have Ariana read it out loud. I did some editing based on her feedback. And then I never looked at it again. Like Just absolutely did not, no matter what. like It was dead to me. And the other tip was is setting up a daily writing habit that's really easy. Yeah, I committed to just writing 200 words a day. That's it. Uh, I actually ended up doing 415 words across 199 writing sessions to get my first draft. And some days I hit the 200 and was checked out of. I'm like put in my words this sucks I'm yeah. done and yeah. other days I wrote 2000 words I wrote a whole chapter in a day um and you know raise the average but but if you don't look back and you have a really low goal you'll get there
1: yeah nice make yeah. the make the hurdles very low so you can you yeah for sure
0: well I'm lucky that I have some friends who have been writing their book for a long time and the thing i noticed in that's preventing them from finishing is they're always going back and working chapters and so when i started this i swore this is something i'm not going to do no matter what and it was so helpful because i had no choice but to write
1: yeah yeah it's funny I feel like uh, I feel like you and I might think pretty similarly um, because I'm I'm a similar way with like with art um, and I like I don't judge it very harshly um, like the work that I make and like the drawings that I'll do and whatnot um, I, I like the the morning pages type thing like um, what Julia Cameron or someone with the um, forget what the book is called uh, the artist's way uh, she talks about yeah. morning pages and like that concept is really stuck with me of like do some writing and don't even look at it again. And so then that same process really goes into my um, painting and drawing. I just feel like, you know, what you do, what you express is like a little time capsule. And if you go back later, yes, there's some editing. Yes. There's some like revisions to paintings that should happen if I want to take it to like a certain level of polished, but most of the time, like I, the, I see the point of artistic expression as being like a documentation of that time period or that thought or that project or whatever. So like to go backwards, you're just like overlapping and kind of spinning your wheels in the same, yeah. same spot. And
0: wheel spinning is the worst.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. could see that a lot of people get stuck in that. And like, especially if they're thinking critically, like again, my mom's a writer and she always suggested, uh, you know, like leave your critic at the door while you're writing, and then, you know, because the two parts of your brain are opposite elements in terms of creativity.
0: Yeah, I forget somebody said it. There's a time for writing and a time for editing. They're not the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah totally.
0: Just,
1: um, it was no. cool. Yeah, yeah. What were you gonna say something else? Then?
0: No, it was just it was cool to like. I I'm surprised. I wrote it and I didn't judge it. I edited with editors, didn't judge it. And the moment I finally sent it off and it was out of my hands, that's when all of the doubt finally crept in. I was shocked because I felt nothing, no emotions really other than like, just got to work hard and do this thing until I sent it off. Uh, it reminded me of I watched um the last dance with Michael Jordan and how yeah. you know he was like busting his butt to win and then when he finally won he like broke down and cried and his teammates were like who the hell is this yeah and I felt like who the hell am I like <laughs> I like I all this doubt came because it's super rare but it was my first time doing this so I can understand but pretty pretty powerful stuff to witness you know firsthand
1: yeah that yeah i mean you know michael jordan breaking down and crying or like you feeling that uh after writing a book about you know the laws of creativity and all this stuff and then and then you feel the the emotion that's like kind of outside or like it's it's part of the laws especially in part one um but yeah like there's the human side to the creative spirit and the creative process and um like i'm wondering are you experiencing any like imposter syndrome feelings?
0: Uh, You know, right at the beginning. Yeah. Like, man, did I just, am I just writing a book full of obvious stuff? That that's how I felt for a little while. Like, is this, am I, am I just being Mr. Obvious here, Captain Obvious? And that, that stuck for a few weeks actually until I got into some people's hands and I started to hear feedback and, i realized maybe that i wasn't so captain obvious or it's not obvious to other people but that that was a trying time like the period before um when i was done and and then people were reading it
1: yeah it's weird yeah totally and and some people feel it a lot more than others and but like at any time i think there's that feeling uh or at some point in the process I think it's inevitable that you're, we're gonna feel that like wow like what am i doing here and who am i to do this and like am i just saying the, the thing that everyone's saying or whatever like there's a lot of stuff yeah. that comes in at certain points
0: yeah and what shocks me is with baron fig you know in the 100 plus products like i don't i don't feel anything man i'm a machine like i get excited to make it but once i'm like i've like nailed the concept and then i nail the execution you know, and we nail the production-ready uh, elements, whatever it is, and it's handed off to production. Like, cool. I'm, I'm so nothing. Like, I mean, I'm I'm excited, and I'm just ready for the next thing. And and yeah. so this emotional thing that I felt was a surprise to yeah. me. Yeah. But it, I was it was cool. I did not um, I did not try to run away from it. And I talked to it. I talked about it openly with my wife, with the team at Baron Fig and uh i just let myself feel that and um it it was just accepting it was cool i guess it it was there and i knew what was happening and it was still happening yeah you know almost like i've i mean like say anxiety i guess i'm not an anxious person so it's hard for me to speak to it but the one or two times maybe i've been anxious about something logically i know there's no reason to but there's still this subconscious layer that's that's making that um you know anxious feeling and it was sort of being the the one that could feel it and observe it at the same time was really neat for me
1: yeah yeah kind of meta (laughs) you're like yeah
0: and write a book about it the whole thing (laughs) yeah
1: totally that's fun it's like layers of uh layers of awareness Um, yeah of of what's happening and how it feels all at the same time one thing that I really love about the book is uh and is the way that you wrote it like I meeting you and talking to you now like I feel like I already know you because and I already know like the way that you talk and the way that you think and kind of like the cadence of how you how you roll um and that's cool (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's kind of, uh, it's like, it's like multidimensional in the way that you write. If you wrote a lot more, um, like, standardly, um, I wouldn't feel it as much. um, And I wouldn't feel like your energy in the writing, but it's there so much. And then by you doing that, I feel like it really, um, and you're like, you're very real in the writing. You know, so you're not you're not like blustering it up or like being trying to like be bigger than you are or anything like that. You're very humble to to everything and in the writing, which is so great because that humility, I feel like uh, leads into the humility that we all experience when we go through the process of creativity, um, because like it's not a place to bring your ego um, because you fail a lot in creative quote unquote fail. Like your ideas don't like come to fruition because you like the brainstorming process, you know, you come up with a hundred ideas and like three of them are great and you go with those. So like, there's a lot of just like trying things that aren't going to work. So then you don't like have an attachment to an outcome the same. And so like, uh, and so yeah, I feel like it all it all ties in really nicely with with the overall like uh, the art the art is uh is comprehensive, I would say. Wow.
0: Um that's that's a compliment I haven't gotten about someone reading it and then meeting me. I mean uh, this there hasn't been there's only like a couple dozen books out in the whole world right now. So that that's the first time I've heard that and that's pretty neat. When I was writing it, I tried to, you know, I think people are very good at making simple things complex, right? We always blow things up in our head. And for me, I really like making the complex simple. Yeah. And so that's not just the concepts, but can I make the writing simple and, you know, the, the metaphor simple and just what I'm trying to say, simple. Um, so I'm glad it, paid off
1: yeah yeah and it's like it's fun it's light and it keeps and that lightness keeps the fun of the creative spirit alive because like you know that you got to have fun with it and you talk about that in here and it's like so the the way you're writing and like the little uh footnotes you know they're like these little anecdotal jokes uh, in the entire way so we're like kind of like taking breaks to laugh at stuff the entire way yeah (laughs)
0: yeah i put a bunch of of jokes in the footnotes man i couldn't resist i was like i gotta get this out of me oh yeah and uh, i'm glad you like that
1: yeah because yeah i mean like making making things being creative from a space of fun and play is like you're gonna have such better results than being like um super serious i mean there are serious projects um but if you can have fun with it and be light in the process it helps um are you ready for the questions the part one questions yeah okay okay um you kind of gave some advice about writing a book but this is a little bit more zoomed out um in terms of okay so what's your advice to aspiring creatives now creatives I use with a capital c and this is creatives of all genres you know artists of all kinds and um you know backgrounds and approaches,
0: okay, and are they starting? are they like trying to get better where Where are they at?
1: They're kind of everywhere I mean, uh really, okay. it's for the listeners of the podcast and and you know they come from lots of different backgrounds, some might be young and in school, Ooh. some might be old and thinking about you know making a switch of a career or whatever, and they come you know musicians, writers, artists um whatever
0: all right i think one of the one universal piece of advice that i can give is to work on mastering your ability to look forward and look down and what that means is when you're looking forward you're thinking about the future and when you're looking down you're thinking about the now And so as someone who's creating, what we find is a lot of uh, creatives with the stereotype you see on television is only the person who looks down. They only look at the now. They only live in the moment. Their life is going nowhere, right? And then you have the opposite, which is the person only looking forward and then on TV they're portrayed as wearing suits with the button all the way up and the tie and everything and really what any balanced human and i think a balanced human is naturally creative what any balanced human needs to do is is um, nurture the side the parts of them that are able to switch between both because you do need to plan but once you're you've planned that's 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 a time constrained thing you should have a start and a stop and then you when you get to work forget everything but what you're doing in the moment and trust your past self that puts you there and let that go and i've seen a lot of people struggle with that and i think it's because we haven't ever stopped to say hey focus on that and switch between the now and the later and so it's essentially you know how do you brush up on your discipline and how do you brush up on your play and you know the book goes into a whole bunch of stuff but i would recommend for people to start thinking being more aware of what um, time period their head is in now or later
1: and then the opposite of that would be the past and that yes what would that be what would that think? Yeah,
0: yeah well I mean the past the past is there's looking at the past you can do two things one bad and one good the bad one is you can have regrets and look at it and let it stop you from doing the future. Good one is you learn lessons. And so using the past, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Is taking a look at what you've done and learning from it so that when you move forward, you are more prepared. And that can happen on a macro scale. So like project to project but it can happen on a micro scale of like the iterations within a single project. I did this sketch. All right, what can be better? Cool. The next sketch. All right. What can be better? And so on. And you do that big and small without regrets, without judgment.
1: Yeah. Nice.
0: That was good, man. (laughs) I I mean, you, not me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's uh, it's cool. I mean, there's, you know, uh, like Eastern philosophy of like being present and uh yeah. you know there's like I've heard it described as like uh present is being in the moment uh being in the past that's like a you know a ruminating like depression element and then being in the future too much and that's like an anxiety spot and where you want to be is like mm-hmm. a healthy balance in the middle and um you know yeah you can look back and you and you want to look forward you want to know where you're walking but um you don't want to like stay there you're you're your footsteps along the way are the main elements. Totally.
0: I like that you said a future, another way of looking at the future. Like there's a bad version of the past and the future and the future one is anxiety. That's yeah.
1: Good. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's kind of a bad version of being too in the present. Cause then you're not looking, you're not forward or back at all. It's like we, mm-hmm. life is a balance. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> Question two. What would you want life to be like in five years? You got a magic wand. Anything you can make anything happen. You can think about this question on a personal oh, scale, yeah. on a large scale, whatever you want.
0: I'm ready. So yeah. I'm gonna. I can. I can just wave a magic wand. Anything happens. Anything happens. And I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna skip the like world peace, like cure cancer. We're gonna. We're gonna assume that that has happened just by go. waving the wand.
1: Beautiful. Okay. Beautiful. All right. All right.
0: Good. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Uh, so I know what I would do. I would wave a wand and I'd have like you know 10 million bucks in the bank, yeah. So that that would free me up to move upstate New York and have just a nice regular sized house, but I would have a barn and that barn would be my workshop and it would have 3D printers, canvases, um, a bunch of computers, all sorts of tools, workbenches. And basically, I would just go in there in the morning, make whatever the hell I feel like it, and then leave at night. And like, I just have no purpose. I would love it. Like, just I I don't need to. It wouldn't be commercial. It would just be for myself. And I would have a ton of fun doing that. Yeah, like I could live out my life doing that.
1: Yeah. I mean, and the, the cool thing, uh, the iron, ironic element of something like that is, you know, the Those would be that would be where the best inventions would happen that would have the most commercial success. Because you didn't have that intention and you were just like full on creative freedom. Like if we had like, you know, all the the best inventors in the world doing that, like what we could come up with would be incredible.
0: Yeah. And I would love that, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I'm happy now too. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Doing cool stuff. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely doing cool stuff. Um, all right. Um, <clears throat> question three. Have you seen or experienced your work affect a person or the world on a deep level? Tell us about it. Um, I'm going to go on a, a personal experience. So
0: I mean, Baron Fig has shipped hundreds of thousands of tools at this point and, you know, go on Instagram and search hashtag Baron Fig. And you'll see th- its effect as a parent and letting people, you know, in effect have their little barn in their little lab to do their thing, which is awesome. But one, one neat thing about the book, which is still super fresh for me. I wrote a chapter towards the end where I was telling you about the, like the last five that were really hard to get out because they were the end uh, content there. <sighs> and I remember it was, um, it was a chapter that had Jerry Seinfeld in it and it had discipline and you know, all this stuff we're talking about. And I just had pumped it out. I was like, I'm going to make this better later. I just need to get the words out because I'm feeling jammed up and you know, it's like a technique. You just, when you can't do it, when you can't do anything right, just do anything. You yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, cool. I got it. So I wrote this chapter and I brought it to Ariana I said earlier that she reads, she read every chapter out loud. She read this chapter out loud. And what I thought was one of the worst had the most profound effect on her. And she had such an effect that she rethought her whole life. Um, And she actually quit her job and was like, I need to do, I need to, I'm not on the path that I want to be on. And she changed it. And it was like, the impetus was this chapter and i was like holy crap i did not expect that and um you know that's the most powerful thing i've seen with this new book and it's it's not released yet so i don't have a, lot, a big pool to pull from that was oh, yes. that was cool
1: that's a strong effect right there yeah that's, and she, she's awesome. in a
0: great place now too she's she's killing it uh, doing her own thing now working for herself and like totally different lifestyle. And, um, you know, I couldn't be more proud.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just wrote down a little note to bring up here in a couple of minutes. I don't want to say it now because I don't want to mess up the next question, but that's has okay. got my mind going. That's good. Okay. Um, okay. Here we'll, we'll jump to the next question and then we can tie it all together. Um, okay. Question four. This is the big, the big one. What's your definition of art?
0: What is my definition of art? Um, probably just it's either it's either self expression or uh, art. I think it's an expression of intention, so. I think anybody could be an artist at anything, right? Michael Jordan was an artist at basketball. And a lot of that is due to his intention with how he played the game. And, you know, Tesla was an artist of science and Einstein, an artist of physics. And, uh, you know, you and I are artists of, you know, visual expression or product creation. Um, I think it's just an expression of, of like real intention. So I don't even know if it has to be self-expression. I'm not sure. That is a damn good question. (laughs) What what is your definition of art?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, it kind of changes as I go along and I like, um, I don't know. I'm not going to say mine right now. Cause I was doing a, mm-hmm. a, an interview at the end of the season and then I sort of go off on it at that. Point. Okay. I have a okay. friend interview me and I go there, Oh, neat. but, deep. but it, it, what I like to do is with people's, uh, answers is I kind of try to understand it and, and frame it. And I like what you're saying there about it, not necessarily being self-expression because that's a little bit more limiting because, like, let's say you're a designer for a company, um, you know, that's not necessarily yourself. Uh, that is like the intention of the company you're making the art for. You're sort of like a vehicle wow. um, or a hired hand. But uh, yeah, it's definitely all about the intention. It's and that's I guess like maybe that's the difference. Uh, some Sometimes it's fun to think like what's art, but what's not art? you know is like something that's more manufactured um, is that art or do we is that when we start to slide into like the value judgment of like low art and high art Mm. you know like is there is that yeah but there's
0: also it's hard to say because you like say um I'm going to bring up an apple device it's in front of me. But this is a mass produced thing that I still still think is quite beautiful and probably pretty intentionally create created. And I don't think mass production in and of itself is necessarily a limiting factor of art whereas something may be less well designed, you know like I have a thing off screen here a stand that holds a light and the stand is kind of cheaply made and as a product designer i think there's some poor decisions that could have been done better and so um totally fine as a product because there's a market for something that's 9.99 on amazon but maybe that necessarily wasn't made with an artful approach
1: yeah yeah and it's fun being a creative um well you can be a creative artist by practice or a creative person by practice or you can just be a creative thinker or you can just even just know the process of creativity and then when you look at the world you like you realize that every single thing that exists in the human by made by humans was designed by somebody and then and even even like you know you got a plant behind you in the video there and uh i mean that plant has an intention or at least the life force within that plant has an intention to find light and grow towards it and so then like plants and trees and everything you know there's there's an art to their existence as well and then like animals and like you know we can we can zoom out pretty far with it and and it's uh and they, the intention element still holds.
0: Yeah, I think it's easier almost to rather than define what art is, what an artist is, I can see being more straightforward. It's it's someone who, pract- like, who engages in a practice with um, some sort of positive, like passion driven um, intention. I'm trying to avoid the word intention, but it still comes out. there's something more there that I can say, Oh, I I can more easily to me. Art is almost um, it's like a highfalutin descriptor sometimes I think where it's, it's um, I I like calling someone an artist, you know, like I have a friend, Danielle, who makes incredible baked goods. I don't even like baked goods. And I still, I'm like, this is really good. She's an (laughs) artist at that. Yeah, and would i look at it and call it art yeah but only as like a residual to the artist almost as if like by calling it art i'm forgetting that it's the artist that i'm really should be celebrating the humanity i think
1: yeah yeah and then within that um artist there's a lot of different there's you can look at it in terms of like a master artist and then like, mm-hmm. you know, a practicing artist almost like, you know, you could look at it like hours put in or, or like um, projects done or something along those lines. Cause like I can go out and I can play a game of baseball, but I'm not a baseball. I wouldn't call it a <laughs> yeah. baseball player, you know, but then you look at somebody who plays for the Yankees, like they're though. That's a baseball player. Like that's a baseball you know, artist. That's a, yeah, definitely <laughs> a, a craftsman at the art of baseball. Totally, yeah. So there's definitely distinctions between, but but everybody can engage in the the artistic process, which opens yeah. the door for them being like a more serious artist and artist. Um, yeah. cool. That was great. Do anything else on the artist topic there? No, no, no. Okay. I
0: mean, cool. you know, this is obviously you and I could go on forever. Yeah. And what we yeah. said
1: was said well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, we're not going to look back at it. We're just going to keep going. That's how the creative process works. Now, uh, this is the part of the interview where I thank my guests for being on the podcast. And, uh, and I just, I just want to say how awesome it is. And like from the moment I started reading this, um, I just became a big fan of yours. And I was like, holy shit, man, this guy's doing awesome things. He's like going after it and just like doing it. You know, you're doing the thing that everybody thinks about doing. And um, and then your book is like a how to do the thing that you're doing that everybody thinks about that people don't do. So it's cool. Like you're I feel like it's a you know, it's an act of creativity. It's also an act of like leadership and like. Um sort of like a benevolent giving to the people of like showing what you've learned. So um I just think this is awesome. And I'm I'm pumped to see like what it does in the world and you know where it takes you.
0: Wow. I mean that was a whole lot of nice things said. Thank you, man. <laughs> yeah. Um I appreciate it. I I don't know what's gonna happen. You know, we're recording this before it releases. Um I, uh, regardless of what happens, I can say that I'm grateful that I got it out of my head, put it into paper. And now whether or not, you know, it's loved by a lot or by a few, like it's just, it's out, it's out of my head. And I think that that's a win regardless of what happens next, but it's really cool to talk to you. And you are the first person that I'm talking to. So all this is so early that is an artist and like i can see it on your face this conversation you you could have been in a room talking to a mirror and had this conversation and i mean that in like the best way possible because you know so innately what it is that is in this book and not because of me it's because i just wrote what i observed and you observed the same thing and that's been really cool having this conversation with you. So, I think, you you know, I don't want to be like, I don't want to shoot every other person down that I talked because all these conversations have been wonderful, but you particularly have understood it well, as if it's, if it's like brushing your teeth, yeah. you know, which is so cool. <laughs> to hear. So, so anyway, thanks man for having me. Um, what a pleasure we definitely need to do it again yeah on uh baron fig's podcast which is rebooting so we'll flip the script
1: sweet yeah sounds good um yeah and what i've been doing is uh checking up on people like every couple years um starting to like have people on again from the first season and uh it's cool cool to see like where they go so you know, a couple of years we'll have you back. You'll be talking about your next book. You'll tell us about this <laughs> became a New York Times bestseller and it's gonna be like oh, awesome. Be <laughs> Turn it into a movie somehow. There we go. <laughs> Sky's the limit. Yeah. Yeah, um yeah. all right. Well, why don't you tell people where they can follow you and where they can connect and where they'll be able to get the book? Um, what day are you releasing it? It's like the eighteenth of October or yeah, the twentieth? Yep. That's eighteenth.
0: Yep october 18th
1: and if you you know what happens on that day what i turn 40 get out dude happy birthday kind of a crazy coincidence thank you (laughs) that
0: is awesome man oh my god wow so so i gotta remember that
1: yeah it's pretty wild like i saw that i was like oh man that's a that's quite a coincidence so um instances. so yeah, we're gonna be putting out this podcast um like in another couple weeks. So it'll give people time to kind of keep their eyes open and everything. So continue. Tell us, tell us where they can connect and get it.
0: Yes. If you want to check out the laws of creativity, go to my website, joycophone.com slash book. You'll be able to see more and buy it. Uh check it out from a few different avenues from there. Of course. We've been talking to a lot about it. Visit Baron Fig at baronfig.com. And if you want to say hello, connect, show me what you're up to. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, both at Joey Cafone.
1: Sweet. All right, cool. Well, we got all that. Um, we're going to take a little break, uh, end of part one here, and then we'll be back for part two. Uh, before we go, can you give the uh, the listeners one more bit of wisdom? and this can be about anything. It has to be super oh. profound though. Top of your head. Don't mess it up. <laughs> um
0: I will say that people un- overestimate risks. So um we didn't touch on this, but there was a while there I was living out of my car and um it put into perspective a lot of things. So if you're Avoiding something that you really want because you think it's risky. Ask yourself how risky it really is because I bet it's not that the The bad result is not as bad as you think it is. Take it from me.
1: Yeah. Dude. Awesome. Thanks for that. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. All right, sure, cool. Sure. Uh, we'll be back. Part two is brought to you by Steady State Roasting in Carlsbad, California. This place is my favorite coffee shop on the West coast and the coffee is the best. They roast all their own coffees from around the world and have a roasting collective for the local coffee-making community. Check them out in the village of Carlsbad or order their beans online at SteadyStateRoasting.com. And we're back. All right. you Live. Well, it's a recording it's not live for the listeners but we're here with Joey Capone <laughs> what's well, up uh, live uh, and,
0: and online
1: that's right that's right so um okay so i have a concept i'm going to throw at you and i want to see like where you you just just take it wherever you want um, I want to oh, see if it starts all right. your mind. so um the the story that you told about your wife reading it reading the the chapter and then switching gears, uh, it made this idea come through me that said, um, great art shifts consciousness. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? That idea.
0: Great art shifts consciousness, shifts consciousness, like a paradigm shift. Yeah. I mean, for Sure. You know, okay. So I'm in New York, we have uh we have the Met, we have the MoMA, we have the the Guggenheim, we have the Frick have all these places, and they're awesome. I love going there. Uh in art school, we went there all the time. I drew there. And I got really into some of the abstract stuff. For example, you know they there were artists who would paint the whole canvas red like that's the piece and then another one would be like the top would be blue and the bottom would be black and Rothko Rothko thank you yeah You're never good with the painters he's one and <laughs> well i thought a lot about this because I have so many conversations with friends in art school and afterwards where they're trying to say, like, what did this person mean? What does this painting mean? And my thought is that it it doesn't mean anything. It was meant to shift your consciousness. It was meant to just say, what if someone did this? And that's really it not that like look at this blue and tell me what i mean but like no one has done this until now so i'm going to do it and then we're going to talk about why that was a thing not done and what does that mean what do you think of that
1: yeah i mean it it feels like an experiment like like uh you know humans are going to try all the things like over enough time, every thing is going to be flushed out. And, um, and so like everything's an experiment. And, uh, I think a lot of times the artist doesn't actually know what is going to happen in the viewer. And, you know, maybe the artist is moved by this one thought or idea, but the viewer gets something completely different from it. Um, you know like those rothko paintings he like in his life was like very depressed uh, he he experienced a lot of depression and he actually ended his own life with a with a revolver um wow. and he did these like really in like they're they they have like a dark like a heaviness to them um, and he's actually got this chapel in i think it's maybe austin texas and it's like a it's kind of like a religious space, but it's non-denominational. And it's like this big, beautiful interior. And he's got these like triptychs on certain walls and then these giant ones on other walls. And the lighting is like set up nicely and it's very quiet and cool. And like um, it's really like meditative and contemplative. And it's cool what they did with it versus you like rewind the clock to when he was making those in the studio. And I wonder what he was thinking like. I doubt he meditated, you know, I doubt like maybe he was having religious experiences with these, but maybe, but maybe not. Maybe he was in a flow state that is like a similar space as like the viewer gets into when they sit in that chapel and look at it, but maybe not like, and I don't think the artist really needs to have, uh, you know, like needs to, or even, is like should be allowed to really like consider fully what the the viewer is gonna like experience from like it's not really my responsibility necessarily like and i don't you you as the artist don't really even have the full power to like know what the what the viewer is coming and bringing to the experience
0: right it's a conversation but it's like uh it's a one-way conversation really you make a statement and then someone else reacts but you don't necessarily get it back to make another statement at least with the one that you originally did yeah like take jackson pollock for example right and how he threw the paint all over the place and it seems to me that you know we have these same type of let's call them artists or creators nowadays that are do they do something no one's done. And then they're like, "Well, I'm just going to keep doing this because people are paying attention to this thing," and that doesn't mean the thing is revolutionary or good. It's just different yeah, sometimes, tough. and maybe that's all it needs to be. So, like Jackson Pollock, I, I'm sure that he really—I mean, you could tell, especially when you watch some some of what it's like taped, I believe about. You know, there's passion there, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's paint splatters. But, but why did anyone else do? It first, you I know, mean, right. he did it after all this time. And I think there's something, and that is in and of itself, the expression. It's like, I'm doing this thing that we haven't done. And, uh, and that is consciousness shifting but not necessarily the individual thing yeah the, the how
1: yeah like it's fresh it's like stretching the overall human consciousness like as a group to like oh thing our world our understanding of art should include this now and like this is possible whereas before yeah that, it didn't.
0: right and that is the service that was done yeah, you know, or or, you know, some people could argue a disservice where it maybe it wasn't done because it was thought of as and I'm not saying this, I'm just tossing it out there to be a devil's advocate. But is it like a degradation of of the expression of, you know, painting, let's say, like, take um, like, let's say if we take the medium of television or, or film video and then we look at where that's gone into uh, reality television. You know, is that a degradation of of film? Is that a uh, an improvement? Is that is it is just a neutral contribution to the language of film? I don't know. I think there's parallels there.
1: Yeah. No. Totally. And I, <clears throat> again, I think human humans on this planet are going to try everything, and maybe. Over time, the things that are really good and like a positive thing are gonna be people are gonna circle back to like um like farming, organic farming. Organic farming was always a thing until it until it needed to be labeled, um, that things weren't Mm. actually always organic. And so there's from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, there's like pesticides on things and like the McDonald's revolution and all this stuff. And then, but like people are coming back to organic farming because it's good. And there's like, you know, it's good to eat food that doesn't have chemicals on it and it's better for the soil and all the things like, like, I wonder if film, you know, if there's just this like phase that film and TV is going through that uh, maybe it'll like come back to like a more like high art spot, or maybe there's just always going to be this spectrum of like, yeah you know did like shitty like you know degradations of the concept of art <laughs> all the way to like high art and people are going to interact with all of it because every it's like everything always <laughs> at the same time
0: right i mean there's like yeah organic food did not eliminate junk food right the oh. spectrum exists yeah and like i eat healthy however You know, I love myself a bag of cheddar popcorn every now and then. Oh, yeah. And you know what I mean? And that doesn't. So maybe it's similar in that like television has a spectrum. Like Some people will consume a lot of the bottom and some people consume a lot of the top and. And so on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of have like in our own lives, you know, if you just eat the best food all the time like the most healthy whatever all the time and you never have that one thing that's like a guilty pleasure then your life's a little bit stale so like within like the right. human like you need to have a balance or else things get like boring and lame um one thing that you said uh earlier about you know now that the book is going to be coming out you know no attachments to an outcome um i think that's really a great a great way to look at it and as you go along as a creative you know as an artist like uh i think that that's something that you learn by not getting by not achieving by failing by having your your job turned down or by getting fired or whatever like there's uh you learn over time that like you're not going to get everything and um and it's i mean like van gogh was never recognized in his lifetime and now he's like yeah. oh, he's really one of the most like de- celebrated decorated artists of uh, ever and and like
0: same with uh Emily Dickinson yeah same thing
1: yeah and like uh i feel like it's a really good like healthy way to go like you have to hope for the best you know like you you have to put in your entire heart and soul into it you can't hold anything back because maybe it won't win but Uh, Mm -hmm. At the same time, you have to lean, you have to be like, very aware that like, this could come out and like, nothing could happen.
0: Yeah, which is it is trippy, because I'm not going to say that I'm like immune to desiring of some wonderful result. Because that wouldn't be true. I absolutely would hope so. But it's almost like I'm bearing witness separate from being the person who made it or something. Um, one one idea I like that I uh, I wrote in the book that's probably not foreign to you at all is the idea of fear. You know, I've been creating now for like twenty five years or something, and um, whenever I start something new, there's still fear. Like, is this going to be the one I fail, or this going to be the one I don't figure out? Um, and it it doesn't go away. We just get better at managing that fear and understanding where it's coming from and how to just set it aside and do your thing. And I think that's a misconception people have is that, um, you know, the more you do it, the less fear you have. And I, I don't think that's the case.
1: No, no. And everybody says the same thing too. Like a- athletes, you know, like if you don't get butterflies, that means that you're like, you don't care
0: yeah well, you're not paying attention <laughs> the yeah, trick is just like,
1: like taking that energy and and working with it
0: yeah yeah wow i never thought about that with like actors too you know before they go on stage having uh certain fear that never goes away wow yeah i actually love getting on stage i yeah. don't have a fear of that really i think like um all these things that are just accents to what i do and i just care even less about whether i'm good or not i seem to be a more more effective than normal just because i'm like whatever like whatever happens happens i go on stage and i just try to have fun and a friend said way back he's like hey man if you have fun the audience will probably have fun so just focus on that and i was like boom nice (laughs) yeah such good advice man so now i just go around trying to have fun and everything and i don't know i just roll with it life's too short to be serious
1: yeah what were you uh like as a kid
0: uh i was a troublemaker always talking in class my teacher actually made a category on my report card. She like drew it in just so <laughs> she could say that I failed that category of uh, talking in class. Um, I don't know exactly where it came from. Maybe. No, I don't know. But I got in trouble so much that I realized getting in trouble is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Were you a troublemaker or anything?
1: no no okay i always no, kind no. of like sat right at like underneath the line of like this will get you in trouble i would sit like right underneath
0: it. <laughs> i was i i did not i was not smooth enough for that no, i was like you the kid and i had detention <laughs> dude <laughs> nice. detention every day they were generous with the detentions i must say but i was in, I, I rarely went outside for snack time i was always in the the room but um I'm thankful because it taught me that breaking rules really does not have a dramatically bad consequence. You know, we talked like your very last question on the podcast about you know, I mentioned risk and whatnot, sort of related. Yeah. I I just realized that if someone doesn't like you or they get mad at you or you break a rule and you have to apologize, as long as you're not hurting anyone, or disrespecting anyone other than that uh, not really a big deal
1: yeah totally um why don't you tell us a little bit if you're up for it tell us about the the story there uh like being a kid the the risk and uh living in your car for a minute
0: oh yeah 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 this is this good stuff i guess um well it's not a happy story obviously but so I was adopted and I was adopted by a single woman. She, uh, she was older. She was like a grandmother's age rather than a mother's age. Mm. And so um, she got cancer when I was in fourth grade. And uh, she passed away when I was in seventh grade from cancer. And, you know, I watched that. It was just her and I at home. And first couple of years were kind of um, normal. Besides, you know, she would disappear for a couple hours a day to get chemo. And, um, you know, her hair was gone. But then it started to go downhill. And when she passed away. You know, I didn't have anywhere to go. So um, her ex-husband took me in. And I called him grandpa, and we actually were tight. And him and his wife had me um, live with them for a while. And then he passed away suddenly when I was 17. So the moment I turned 18, my step-grandmother, I called her, came into the room. Now, I remember this day clear, clearly she sat on the bed and she said this isn't working out and i said okay and she said you have to leave and i said okay and i just walked out of the house got in my car had no plan didn't even have my medicine you know i have a heart problem separate story and um didn't have anywhere to go and was in so much shock of what had happened that I was ashamed to tell people I hadn't processed it. And so I ended up being in my car and for quite some time until finally a cousin of mine figured it out. And um, that had taught me a lot about perspective, you know, like, There was a day where a couple days later, I went back to get my stuff. And uh, she wasn't home. She just actually went away on vacation. Like all my stuff is in the house. And I went around to my bedroom window, which was on the first floor. And I'm looking in at my stuff that I, I just need my stuff. And I didn't break the window or anything. And I remember like the reality of everything hitting me. And I turned around and I sat on the grass, and I leaned against the brick wall underneath my window, and was speechless, and i had I was lost, and I had no no idea what to do next as a you know eighteen year old kid, and then a cop turned the corner of the house because my window was on the side, and I remember looking at the cop, and I just started crying like uncontrollably. I couldn't believe here I was from where I'd been, um, you know, with a mom that I was so close to, it all felt so quick, even though it wasn't five, it was five years. Um, That I think is a, is a moment of like, for me, rock bottom. You know, I'm sure there's a lot worse out there. I would never claim like that's humanity's rock bottom. Absolutely not. That was mine. And um, thankfully, a a cousin got wind and I got to stay in her basement. And then she actually like helped me finish the basement. So there was a bed and a couch and it was really nice down there. And then um, before I knew it, I was moving to New York City you know, I had worked my ass off um, up until that point, going to school and working full time. And then, you know, in art school is just when everything clicked. Like the the troublemaker was still there, but it turned out the troublemaker was just really like the person inside looking for something to latch onto to do. And when I found design, that it was like game over. Like, I had figured out the way I wanted to express myself and the challenge that I really enjoyed. And uh, you know, I put all that stuff together. And here I am. Here I am.
1: <laughs> it wow. was a journey, man. Wow. Totally. Yeah. Rock bottom, and then uh, you know you build your foundation with that.
0: Yeah, there's um, there's an interesting thing I've experienced that I don't think a lot of people have, uh, and I'm I'm glad, which is um, the feeling of being alone on Earth. And whenever I, you know, I used to say that more than I do now. But um because people would say, well, I love you. And, you know, cousins or and aunts and uncles, and they'd mean it. Yeah. But when you don't have someone on planet Earth that makes you the number one person in their life, like a mom, a dad, or a partner, it's a different world. And uh, you know, most people find a partner before they lose parents and never experience that. And that is um, wonderful. I don't, I don't want people to feel that, but um, that built some callous steep and uh, ended up being for the better, but it's certainly was a hard thing to navigate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I bet it, really uh created the relationship between you and you um it did did man like i'm i'm like i'm
0: like my best cheerleader like there yeah. is no one to go and show like here's the paper i got or the reward or look at this cool thing i made yeah. I was like no one cared you know family like cousins and aunts and uncles they certainly love me and are there to make sure i don't die or like homeless or anything but it's a different type of caring than your mom or your dad yeah your you know parent has or partner
1: totally yeah wow
0: um, <laughs> i don't mean to bring it there I don't no it's great
1: that's great that's what this is all about <clears throat> do you i'm curious uh do you meditate or do you have any yeah time? you do because meditation is kind of a like a space where you can create a a bubble where it's like you're very alone and mm-hmm. with yourself. And I'm just curious about like how your experience of meditation is, and like, are there parallels that you like feel and see through your life?
0: Um, it's a different type of oneness, you know, like a. It's very different, I would say. Because um, in the, I think what we live with our whole life, and we don't even realize it, is that we have a safety net of this person, these people who keep you as number one. And no matter how bad things get, you know that you can crawl back home, or hop on the phone, or a host of things that. Uh, lend you comfort and and companionship and uh, solace that um, you can't reach out for anymore. And then, and you'd be surprised at how often we do. Until you can't do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then meditation is a different type of. It's like a voluntary solitude. This is this is like a you know an involuntary mental solitude
1: yeah
0: it is different it was good man i i you know i'm not gonna i'm not here to regret like if if i could go back and change things i wouldn't you know beyond my mom's suffering of course wouldn't change anything because it's made me who i am you know i like who i am
1: right yeah there's this concept that i've heard about and read about um and it's that of uh dying before you die like a you know metaphorical set in the metaphorical sense. and uh you know it can happen through like an ego death and that can happen through various methods and ways but like if you can if you can die before you die then you realize that uh like the risk isn't Mm-hmm. you know as scary and so shouldn't it shouldn't hold us back as much as we let it sometimes and yeah like that's it kind of if it, it, it's freeing and liberating
0: yeah like think of um you know uh, i'm gonna generalize and everybody's got their own shit so you know i'm not i'm not trying to say this is for everyone but now, oftentimes we talk to people who are not in the place that they want to be, but they don't want to make the change to go there and because of the risks. And what I started to say earlier on, you know, at the end of the other episode was really that the risks are not when you are like a perspective of like a tiny perspective, like when you reach the outside of the circle, it's like, that's the end. But actually the circle is like, huge and you're just a little bit further from the center but you're well within the realm of safety for example you know say you make a change and now you can't pay rent and like okay can you just go live with your parents can you go live with a sibling like it's maybe you're embarrassed and you know that's a separate conversation as to what that's about but it's worth it if it's actually going to change your life to maybe have to do that. Like I worked with someone who did do that. They had a wonderful job in a different state and, you know, said to me like, Hey man, this is not what I thought it was. And I need to change. And they, um, I said, "I, I don't have the ability to, to just, materialize a salary this was years ago i don't have the ability to materialize a salary for you but i can give you a tiny tiny salary but you'll have to stay with your family for a while and they did it and they made the change made the move and their life's totally different and they met the person you know they ended up marrying and all sorts of stuff that had developed from the leap that wasn't actually a big of leap as most people think it is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you hear that listeners? Don't hold back. Go for it. Do it. it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean that's a, Go ahead.
0: No, that's just a big thing. It's a big That's a big frustration I have, I think with people. I get angry, actually. Uh, yeah. You know, when people are complaining and they're, you know, in front of me, not like I'm listening on conversations, but if someone says something and they're confiding, you know, I can be sort of quick to, to judge, you know, I'm, I'll admit that where I'm just like, stop, stop letting your fear control you, you know, and I, i have. It's it's hard. It's hard for me, I would say, to... After what I've you know done, I think that's a personal thing I have to live with,
1: well, and it's tough to because if someone's saying that and letting the fear hold them back, then I think part of that is a lack of perspective of the true reality of the risks there. Mostly, <laughs> yeah. you know, most of the time, risks aren't as bad as you think. And it also, I feel like a lot of times, people in that position where they're complaining uh might not realize the level of entitlement that they have to even like to feel that sort of a risk you know like yeah a lot of people in the this is one thing i think a lot of times is like i'm so lucky and blessed to have been even like been born in this time period in this part of the world to the, you know, like the situation where I've been given these opportunities. And with that, it, I feel like an, I feel an obligation, like a duty to send it as hard as I fucking can, because so many people don't get the, don't get the opportunity. And, you know, the things that I see as risks, like other people, you know, in a third world country would give everything they have to have the shittiest day that I ever have. yeah like yeah that's i'm so lucky to have the problems that i have i'm so lucky to have the risks and like the you know situations the challenges Mm. so in that um you know it's like good to zoom out and have a perspective on like what what's really going on and like is that really a problem is that really as big a risk and but everyone's on their own journey and you can't just like I know, it's, man. You, you got to walk delicately. You can't
0: just.
1: <laughs> I <them> wish, <laughs>
0: I wish, dude, human nature is just really our enemy sometimes. Like, it's our greatest gift and, like, greatest curse. It's like when you, what is it? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And, yeah. A lot of times people have to make those mistakes
1: on their own. They do. But what you can do is write a book and guide people <laughs> as well as you can. Yeah. Them all the steps, all the laws, all the pitfalls to watch out for. Um, it's so cool. I mean, you know, anything that we do artistically, creatively, it's like a numbers game. It's an experiment. And, you know, you're going to put this book out in the world and whatever number of people are going to read it. And then, you know, a fraction of that, whether it's a big or a small fraction, but a fraction are going to be seriously, Moved by it and to you know shift their life and do their thing. So it's uh man, it's exciting. You got all the thing all the pieces in place to like make a real effect in the world here. That'd be nice,
0: man. That'd yeah. be the that's the dream. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if it ma- if it mattered. You know, at the end of the day, if it mattered. Yeah. That'd be cool.
1: Yeah. And I mean, as creatives like that, yeah, that's the Shangri-La of like what we do. We just like, if you can connect, like that's, that's uh-huh. great. It's really great. Yeah. I feel you. Well, cool. Joey, thanks for being on the podcast. Is there anything else you feel like telling the people or talking about? Taylor, thank you, man. Um,
0: Just grateful. People have a good day. I hope uh, I shared some, some of the deeper stuff, but. Just gonna leave on a positive note that uh, struggles have just as much value as successes, and so you know all that stuff that I've been through, all the stuff you've been through, all the people out there that you've been through. Um, and you should be proud of the struggles, probably more than the successes, because um, it takes all of it to to learn and to grow. Over now,
1: there it is. Mike
0: (laughs) rocks. I love it.
1: (laughs) All right, cool. Well, uh, everybody go get the book, it's gonna be great. (laughs) All right, hang on for a second. We'll uh, we'll we'll sign off. Sweet, and that, my friends, was my interview with Joey Caffone of Baron Fig of The Laws of Creativity, the book that I think you should read. I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, we were just talking after the recording and uh, Joey was saying that he feels like uh, I am a person that uh, is one of those people that does this work regularly, so I have a good um, perspective on it. And My perspective on it is that it's all watertight. Like everything's on point, Um, you know, it's laid out very nicely. I like how it's actually like visually set up. Um, There's like a lot of the text is in black and then he uses like a soft purple as like a secondary um, highlight or like way to put text in there. So it's got like visually it's interesting to read um, not just like what's going on, but it's all it's all put together very nicely. And like I said, it's all kind of like all the parts weave together to give the overall impression. And like I was telling him, if I like, I feel like he wrote the book that I wish that I would write or could have write written. And now that I've read this, I'm like, cool. I'm good. I don't have to. I can point people to that one because um, everything's on point. And it was cool. I appreciate that Joey shared that story with us and, um, you know, like went into his origin story for us because, uh, that's not always easy and it takes courage to, to share stuff like that. And I mean, it takes courage to be creative. And so I see how it lines up for him and like how he got to be who he is. And, um, and I also really appreciate when people uh, courageously share their vulnerability because when they do it, um, when you do it, when we do it, it uh, creates a space for others to do it, and you know, like that's how we—that's how we work through stuff, and that's how we process trauma and challenge if we don't talk about it then it just stays in there and uh it can fester but it can also be you know the the log that we put on the fire to make make everything burn you know and then transmute it to uh to the smoke uh, i don't know where the metaphor is going but you get it it's like that's that's the content that like some, our challenges can can be the thing that makes us great in ways and um, yeah yeah I don't know I think that's it what are your challenges in life what are your uh, what would you say your rock bottom is that's an interesting question and and what would you say that rock bottom is gives you. I mean, you know, rock bottoms are, are challenging and like intense and scary and sad and all these things. But um, like if you survive them, then, uh, you know, it can almost be like a gift in certain ways because you get a perspective from like the down and out position. And um, not everybody has that. And I think it can really add to our like human humanity, our humility our creativity, our drive. Um, yeah. Huh. What is my rock bottom? Interesting. All right, guys. Well, I hope you're doing awesome stuff. Being creative. It's all about the process. Go get Joey's book and learn the laws behind the science of creativity. Uh, yeah keep doing your thing go for it the risk or the yeah the risk might not be as big as you think it is have you considered that maybe don't worry about it maybe don't be scared maybe it's a risk maybe it's a big risk i don't know anyway signing off cheers